Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come on a Friday morning together to worship you, to give you praise that you deserve. And Lord, we thank you for the time that we've been able to sing praises to you in song. We thank you for the time that we've been able to praise you in prayer. But Lord, we thank you also for this time where we can praise you, we can honour you, we can glorify you by listening to your voice. Oh Lord, we thank you for the precious gift you have given us in your word. Lord, we pray that we would make use of it this morning as we look at it together. We pray that you would be with me, help me to speak clearly. Lord, we pray that we may indeed honour you as we listen to your word preached. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we've gathered on this Friday morning, which is unusual for uh, Christians. Usually we gather on the Lord's Day, we gather on a Sunday. So what is Good Friday all about? Why do we come together on this Friday, this year, at this time? Well, the message of Easter, the message of Good Friday, is one of reconciliation. That is what we are about this morning. As we come to worship God this morning, we are about reconciliation. We're we're remembering the reconciliation that is spoken to us in the Bible again and again, and particularly in the passage that I want to look at this morning together with you. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, particularly verses 16 down to verse 21, where we see reconciliation, the word reconciliation appears at least five times in this passage in different forms, sometimes as a verb, sometimes as a noun. But reconciliation is the heart of the message of salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. And in this passage, we see again and again that it speaks about reconciliation. In verse 18, we see all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The message of the Bible is one of reconciliation. But what is reconciliation? It's mentioned again and again in this passage. What does it mean to be reconciled? Well, reconciliation is a familiar concept for us. Uh, If we have lived in any social contact with people uh, throughout our lives, and it is a regular topic within our household as we have different battles going on within our house and different calls for reconciliation each day. Reconciliation implies alienation. It implies that two people, at least two parties, have broken trust and respect between one another, that there is an aggrieved person and there is someone who has hurt that aggrieved person. And then reconciliation is the bringing of those two parties together so that they are able to have that mutual trust that was there in the past, that mutual respect that was there before some sort of violent injury, some sort of hurt was caused that pushed them apart from one another. So why is Christianity about reconciliation? Why is Good Friday 
a time where we remember reconciliation? Well, this passage tells us quite clearly that reconciliation is important to Christianity because the whole human race has injured God. God is the injured party and humanity are the people who have injured God. What is the injury that humanity has done to God? Well, it's rebellion. They've rebelled against God. They've rejected him as king, as their creator. They've shunned him and have decided that the world belongs to us now and not to God and have basically told God to go away. We do not trust you. We do not respect you. We don't want you in our lives any longer. We will have this world that you have made, but we don't want you who made it. In one sense, we are like rebellious sailors who have declared mutiny on the captain of the ship and said, it's our ship now, not yours. You are not in charge. We rule the ship now. We are like Long John Silver in Treasure Island, that famous novel, which I only got around to reading a few years ago. It is an excellent read. Um, it is very exciting. And Long John Silver is, of course, the pirate who leads a rebellion against the captain of the ship. And we've behaved that way. We are as bad as Long John Silver and have taken over our bodies and said, and this world, and said to God, you are no longer captain. Yet the truth that comes from the Bible about our mutiny and about our captain is that the captain is not dead. The captain has not been thrown overboard. The captain is still alive. And the captain of the ship of this world is angry about the rebellion. It is not as though he has said, you can have the ship, that's okay, I'll go off and leave you to it. No, he is still alive and he is angry about our rebellion and has promised to pour out his wrath on humanity for their mutinous actions against him. And the Bible also tells us not only that the captain is alive, not only that the captain is angry, but the captain is all-powerful. That he has the power to indeed pour out his wrath on humanity. It is not as though Long John Silver has taken over the ship and the captain is no more, or the captain is bound somewhere in part of the ship and he cannot take action against the mutinous pirates. No, the God who created this world, the captain of this world, has all power to inflict his wrath upon humanity. Now, some of you may quake at the thought, and that is good, all of us should quake at the thought that there is a wrathful God towards us as sinners against him, as rebels against him. And we should know that the wrath of God is indeed real and it is coming. It is like a storm that is approaching this world a storm that is going to unleash its fury upon humanity for their rebellion against God. We in Australia know something of storms. We in New South Wales are very blessed that we don't have the same type of cyclones that other parts of our nation do experience. But we have recently, just in the last couple of weeks, have seen 
Cyclone Debbie lash the shores of our nation and our hearts empathise with our fellow citizens as to what they experience there. And in one sense, Cyclone Debbie, as it comes through, is a reminder to us, is a warning of the wrath of God that is to come. These cyclones weren't known in this world until sin entered into the world. Disasters didn't happen in paradise, in the Garden of Eden. But since sin has come into the world, then God has set up a series of warnings for us that wrath is coming. And Cyclone Debbie just stands in one long line of warnings of the wrath of God that is to come. But we have to remember that Cyclone Debbie, for all her fury that she unleashed upon Queensland a few weeks ago, is nothing in comparison to the storm of the final judgment that is to come. So reconciliation between humanity and God is indeed necessary. As we see the storm coming, we should seek reconciliation. We should want to be back on good terms with the captain of the ship rather than on bad terms with him and know that his all-powerful wrath is coming to us. So how does humanity respond to this news of God's wrath that is to come? Well, some people see the wrath of God coming and they don't care. They even joke about it. They hear about God's wrath, the final judgment that is coming upon sinners for their rebellion, and they joke about God's wrath. They make light of it. And people do this even with the warnings of God's wrath. As I said before, Cyclone Debbie stands as a warning to us of the wrath that is to come. And I saw on news reports about Cyclone Debbie that one person had graffitied their fence. I'm not sure if it's graffiti, if it's to your own fence. Big black letters on his white fence saying, Cyclone Debbie, bring it on before the cyclone came to his house. He was making light of the reality that was about to descend upon his house, the destruction that was coming, Cyclone Debbie, bring it on. And then he had some expletives, which I cannot say from the pulpit here. But he was making a joke about the wrath of that cyclone that was coming. But it was interesting as he was interviewed about it by a news reporter, he did talk about how he had got some water got some food, what preparations he had made so that if his house was indeed damaged, if water was cut off, he would be able to survive. He had made some preparations nonetheless, even though he was making very light of the cyclone and saying, bring it on, do your worst. He nonetheless had made some preparations. He knew there was a reality to the storm and had gotten ready somewhat for it. And you may make light of God's wrath as well. There's a very common comment that people make when they hear about hell and the fact that because of their sins they're headed for it. They say, at least I'll have my friends in hell. They're joking about it, saying, at least I'd rather be parting in hell than singing to God in heaven. They're making fun of the judgment that is to come. 
They're making a joke out of it. And the thing is, they won't have their friends in hell. They will be crying out for alleviation of the pain that is upon them from that moment when they enter it for the rest of eternity and there will be no mercy to them. The good things that they have in this world will be removed, including the friendships that they enjoy. They enjoy friendships with people now. They think they will have friends in hell. No, they won't. And so they make a joke about a reality that is coming. And it is absolute foolishness not to prepare at all for that judgment that is to come. So some people respond by joking about the judgment that is coming from the captain of this world. Then there's others that listen to the news and seek safety. But where is safety? Where can you find safety from the judgment to come? Who can tell you how to be safe from the captain of the ship? Well, Christ is the one who can tell us. Christ is the one who is to judge, the one who will bring final judgment. And he has sent his ambassadors into the world to tell us how we can be reconciled to God. In verse 20 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, on page 1145, it says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Christ is encouraging people to be reconciled to God. And he does it through his ambassadors like the Apostle Paul. And like people like myself, pastors like myself, as we tell you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. I stand as an ambassador after Paul, after Christ, with a message of reconciliation to those who would want safety from the wrath of God that is to come. You can actually be at peace with the captain of the ship and escape his wrath from your sin. That is the message of Christianity. That is the message of Easter. And that is why we have come together this Good Friday is to remember once more that reconciliation can be made with a wrathful God despite our sin. Now, how is that possible? How can we be reconciled with God? How can a captain of a ship be reconciled to his mutinous sailors, to the pirates that have sought to take over his ship? How is that possible? How can he be a just captain and allow them to go unpunished? Well, that is what this passage tells us about. It tells us about the way the cross allows God to be just, but also to be merciful to rebellious sailors like ourselves. What happened on that cross 2,000 years ago? Well, verse 18 through to 21 tells us. Look with me again at this passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. How does reconciliation come? It's through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. What happened at the cross? Jesus Christ paid the penalty that we deserve. Sin was not counted against us, but instead was counted against Jesus Christ. That's what it says there in verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, 
not counting men's sins against them. We in our house at the moment are teaching our children to count higher and higher and they enjoy it. Uh, one counted to a thousand yesterday. It's a very, very good way to get a child occupied for some time is to ask them if they can count to a thousand. And we do like to count things, particularly counting money. Our money is a very uh, fun exercise. We learn from a young age. Our children are doing that as well. They love to count their pennies. But there's one thing we do not like to count. We do not like to count our sins. We do not like to count them. And we do not like God to count our sins. Particularly an all-wrathful and all-powerful God. But here, in verse 19, is this marvellous message, this wonderful news, this good news. What does it say? That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. God no longer counts your sins against you. He does not add up every time you've sinned against you. But how is that possible? He does it in Christ, but how is that possible? How can Christ lead to God no longer counting our sins? Well, the the verses continue and tell us. In verse 19, it continues... And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And then comes the means by which we can be saved. This marvellous verse, if you're going to memorise one verse in the Bible, this is an excellent one to memorise. Verse 21 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That verse tells us in stark terms what Good Friday, what Easter, what Christianity, what Jesus Christ is all about. That God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What happened that day at the cross? Your sins no longer were counted against you, but instead they were counted against Christ. All your sins were added up by the captain of this world, but they were no longer added to you. They were not counted against you. Instead, they were counted against Christ, who had no sin. That's what verse 21 says. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He became sin for us. Your sins were counted against his account. And his righteousness, all his good deeds were counted as well. Where were they counted to? Your account. That's what it says in verse 21. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are actually righteous instead of unrighteous. Because God has counted Christ's righteousness to your account. So reconciliation is possible for sinners with the captain of this world. For mutinous pirates like ourselves who have rebelled against God and said, no thank you God, we would like to live our own way. 
as we hear about God's wrath for that rebellion, we can actually be reconciled to him. Because of Christ's love in coming into this world, the storm of God's wrath has been unleashed upon him rather than upon us. We can go down into a bunker when the judgment comes and and come up out of that bunker safe and sound on judgment day. In one sense, I'm like the news reporters that were warning of Cyclone Debbie coming to the Queensland states and telling people, make sure you get to a safe place because the storm is coming whether you like it or not. And I am standing here today telling you that a storm that is unlike Debbie because of its magnitude is indeed coming. And I'm encouraging you today to get to a safe place. And the only safe place that you can get to is Jesus Christ. And I can promise you that when you come up after the last judgment, when the storm has been unleashed in all its fury, you will actually come up to a better place than you were in before the storm. Which is marvellous when you consider those people who go down into a bunker in this world and then the storm passes over. What do they come up to? Death and destruction often. They come up to a worse place because the cyclone has passed through. Whereas we, on the last judgment, when that cyclone comes through of God's wrath, we come up to an even better place. We come up to paradise itself. Not death and destruction, but to paradise. So I stand here today and implore you, on Christ's behalf, as it says there in verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. No longer live in rebellion with God. If you are sitting here this morning and you have not been reconciled, to God, then this Easter, let it be the time where you no longer live in rebellion to God, but instead come to him and be reconciled. Turn to him now in repentance and faith and be reconciled before the wrath of God's punishment for sin descends upon this world. It could be tonight, the last judgment. And you do not want to be exposed as the wrath of God sweeps through this world. Get into the bunker that is Jesus Christ so that you will be safe now and for eternity. And if you are a Christian and you're here this morning, you have been reconciled to God and that is wonderful, that you are in Christ, you are in the bunker. But know that you now have a ministry of reconciliation. You are a new creature in Jesus Christ and you have a ministry as Christ's ambassadors. That's what this text tells us. In verse 17 it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. It's wonderful you've been reconciled to God, but you now have a job to do. What is that job? You're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You are someone that is to warn others that they need to be reconciled as well. A ministry of reconciliation has been given to you. You have become a peacemaker in this world. 
That's what verses 18 and 19 tell us. It says, All this is from God, this new creation, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God has not reconciled you to himself so that you can sit idly by and wait for the judgment. He has reconciled you to himself for good, for good works, and one of those good works is to deliver our ministry of reconciliation to others. It doesn't matter how small you are in the kingdom of God, you are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. And you're in that privileged position of being able to bring mutinous sailors into right relationship with the captain of this world again. And effectively so. Many people out there claim to have a way of reconciling you with the God of this world. They're false religions, but they claim to make a way of reconciliation between yourself and God. But only Christianity effectively reconciles people with God. Muhammad, Krishna, the Buddha, the Easter Bunny, they never died for anyone, let alone became sin so that in them we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ is the only mechanism by which we can be saved. The only bunker that is safe. And you, if you are a Christian, know that. And you, therefore, are in a privileged position of being able to help others to get inside to the bunker so that they will no longer be exposed to God's wrath on Judgment Day. So how are you going in delivering your ministry of reconciliation? A message has been given to you of reconciliation. Are you passing that message on? Or are you keeping it to yourself? Particularly this Easter, as you spend time with family and friends, are you seeking to make sure that you are delivering your message of reconciliation? Do you realise that there are people still outside your bunker and are exposed to the wrath of God. Are you really going to be content down in the bunker of Jesus Christ while overhead you know that there are people walking about who will be swept away in the judgment to come? Imagine that you're there with Cyclone Debbie coming. You've found a safe place, but you know that there are people outside who are not in a safe place, and there is room inside your bunker for those people. Are you really going to sit down there and drink a nice cup of tea and a piece of warm toast, eat a warm piece of toast, while there's people out there exposed to the cyclone that is coming? That is what we are doing if we are not delivering the ministry of reconciliation. We found a safe place, great. But what about the people walking around you every day who are not in the bunker of Jesus Christ? Do you feel concern for them? Are you going to the door of your bunker and calling to your family and friends to be reconciled to Christ, imploring them, be reconciled through Christ to God? 
Go to your family, go to your friends, go to your neighbours, go to the people you work with, even go overseas. As a missionary, take the gospel to those who do not know the message of reconciliation. Yes, we will miss you at Dremoyne Baptist if you leave us. But we know that you are reconciled to Christ, that we have delivered our message to you and you have taken it on board and we should support you and send you out. We should love to send you out to reconcile others to Christ. Don't leave the ministry of reconciliation to me. I can't call everyone. God has given us ambassadors, plural. That's what it says in the text. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. It's not all left to me, thankfully, to be an ambassador of Christ, to have the ministry of reconciliation. It is to you as well. Make sure you're out there telling people to escape the judgment to come, the cyclone that is about to be unleashed, or at least support others who do call people to be reconciled. I'm so thankful for the people of Grimoyne Baptist who give me a platform Sunday by Sunday and even here on a Friday to be able to implore people to be reconciled to Christ. I know that without you, I wouldn't be up here this morning and be able to be delivering this message even now. It's because of your support of the Ministry of Reconciliation that has been granted to me that I'm able to do this this morning. Make sure you continue to support people as they make an appeal to people to be reconciled to Christ. Help with other ministries, not just the Sunday ministries that go on, but help with other ministries of this church and of other missionaries around the world. Even this last week, I was reminded once more, we had the kids club, at our uh, kids holiday club. We had 30 kids come along, many from non-Christian homes in the community. And I'm reminded that the only way I can actually stand there and tell these kids about Good Friday and Easter Sunday and about Jesus Christ is because all these other leaders are there giving their time and their energy, and it takes a lot of energy, to run games, to do crafts, to feed these kids, so that we have that two lots of half an hour with the kids where we can talk about Jesus Christ. That support of those other leaders is making it possible for me then to share the message of reconciliation. We could take more kids. It's, we, could, we could have more kids' clubs. The demand for it's huge. Could you be supporting that ministry so that we can have more opportunities for someone like myself to share the gospel? Could it be that the money in your bank account could be supporting somebody to reconcile others to Christ before you leave this world and leave it all behind anyway? We must remember that we have a ministry of reconciliation. We have been reconciled for a purpose and part of that purpose is to reconcile others. We as a church must remember that. Will you join us in our ministry of reconciliation here at Moines, Or are you going to sit back in your bunker with your nice house, your nice TV, your nice coffee machine, and sip lattes, and wait for the judgment to come knowing that you're okay, while all around you there are people who are destined for eternal destruction.
Let's come before our God now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message of reconciliation that you have granted us. We thank you that we have understood that there is a God, that there is a God who is angry about sin, and we have understood that we are sinners, that we have rebelled against you. But Lord, we thank you that you have provided a way to be safe from the judgment to come. You did not need to. You could have punished us all in your justice. But in your love, you sent Christ. And he who had no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Oh Lord, we thank you for this truth. We thank you that we have been reconciled with you through repentance and faith. But Lord, we pray that we would see a need for others to be reconciled as well. We would see the responsibility that we have been given as ambassadors of Christ, as people who have been had the ministry of reconciliation committed to them. Oh Lord, we pray that we would not sit idly by, but we would make the most of every hour that you have given us to work towards having opportunities to bring people to yourself, to have right relationship with you once again. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.